Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This show is sponsored by Comark, a global provider of innovative software products and business services. Comark's platform is used by leading brands across all industries to drive their customer loyalty. Powered by AI and machine learning, Comark technologies allow you to build, run, and manage personalized loyalty programs and product offers with ease. For more information, please visit comark.com. So welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. And as many of you listening will know, I do a huge amount of work in both fuel retail and convenience retailing. So I have to say I am extremely excited today to be talking to Olivier Martinet, who's actually been leading the loyalty uh, programs around the world for BP, otherwise known as British Petroleum, would you believe, for over 26 years. Now, again, many of you will know that BP is one of the world's biggest and best known companies in this industry. They are sourcing and selling all of the fuel that we need to drive our cars. And also, I think it's a particularly challenging industry to achieve customer loyalty. And I really think that's because so many people just, you know, wish they didn't have to pay for fuel. I think they <laughs> they literally think that we could, uh, we could drive on air. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Olivier Martinet to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello, good morning, good morning, on. Good morning. Um, you're based in Paris in France, Olivier. You're there yes. this morning. How is France doing today? Yeah, we are unfortunately getting into a next phase of COVID. So no, okay. I'm trying to, to get through it. But anyway, I guess okay. we, it's not the only one. Yeah, Indeed, yes. Well, you have plenty of work to keep you going. Mm-hmm. I should uh, mention your full title, Olivier, just so that listeners uh, get a full sense of all of the work you do with PP. Um, so Global Retail Customer Insights, you look after all of the data and loyalty programs globally. And you also look after all of the European regional B2C marketing. So, an extraordinary amount of work. I think when we talked the last time, we counted at least 20 different loyalty programs that you're responsible for. And as I said, I think fuel loyalty, it's, it's even the stakes, I think, are just higher. And there's, there's so many more, um, much more expertise, I think, required to really do a good job. So, clearly, you're doing some incredible work in BP. So, before we get into all of the programs, as you know, I always start the show asking about uh, my guest's favorite loyalty stuff statistics. And I think you have a few for me. So first question off the bat, tell me, Olivier, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Yes, indeed. You you asked me, you you pre-warned me of that question already, and I've been struggling to find (laughs) one uh, one KPI, I have to admit. So basically, I've been really kind of picking the three most important ones, the one which we are using day to day and which I've been very much populating inside of BP in all of the countries. Mm -hmm. So the first one is really around, uh, I would say, the active customer base is how, Mm -hmm. how is this number of cost active customers you know, evolving over time. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the first one. The second one is it's to some extent to measure the um, 
the relevance of my scheme, which is around the transaction coverage, how much of my total transaction numbers are covered within a loyalty transaction. Yeah. And the third one is very much looking into the evolution of a lifetime value of customers. Is therefore mm-hmm. kind of, is it, am I getting increased average transaction frequency, average transaction value? Where is it going? And what are the kind of next um, kind of response plan which I need to put? in place basically so these yeah. would be the three yeah. critical one which all my teams know by heart and should be kind of working on wonderful and are these the ones they olivier because i know you mentioned you probably mentioned uh, sorry measure about 20 kpis like most companies but yeah. these three sound like they appeal to um the, the senior decision makers the people who are making the big decisions about um, investing in loyalty programs so yes, do you report all of these as well up the chain yeah yes absolutely absolutely Wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to just get a bit of detail around um, particularly the active customer base, Olivier. How do you measure active in BP terms in fuel retail? It's it's transacted over the last 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Okay, transacted. And this is very much linked to the frequency of of, uh, of, uh, site visits, of fuel site visits, which Mm -hmm. you are kind of, of... uh, the average is every five to six weeks. That's mm-hmm. you know, the, the, and therefore, kind yeah. of getting you know these these twelve weeks is is quite a, a relevant one for us. Absolutely, yes. And I don't know the percentage of, you know, how many of your fuel stations also have a a retail store, but I presume that active base, is that across uh, both sides of that business? Yes, absolutely. It is, absolutely. Because part of our strategy is really, I'm not going to, I'm not making any difference between, you know, fuels, convenience or any other transaction. Basically, this is really on the full act, you know, on the full kind of turnover base we are having, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, yes, if they're a customer of BP, then they're a customer of BP. So uh, Mm -hmm. they all need to be treated equal. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the extraordinary things is, um, as I said in the introduction, in fact, literally how many countries? um, First of all, I believe BP itself operates in over 80 countries. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, it seems to be easier to to understand which countries you don't operate in. (laughs) So from a business perspective, I think we said South America and the Middle East. So you're not not here with me. you're not yeah. in South America, mm-hmm. but pretty much everywhere else, and about 20 different loyalty programs. Mm-hmm. So tell me, I suppose, just to get a sense of them, you know, what is your preferred strategy? There are so many different ways, um, whether it's a coalition program, whether it's a BP owned and operated scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would be your favorite structure now if you were going, let's say, into a new market? Um, yeah. What kind of loyalty program do you like to build? Okay, I'm I'm not going to answer directly your question. Okay. Uh, basically, because I don't believe in a, a set and a preferred loyalty scheme. What okay. I believe in, and specifically because being in a global job, I believe in a framework which I'm applying on a given market. So I'm not coming with a predetermined answer. I'm okay. coming with a framework which I'm looking into you know, customer base, digital uh, integration, mm-hmm. competitor set, mm-hmm. uh, our own strength in, in a retail network. I'm applying this framework and then coming uh, with, uh, uh, with a preferred uh, scheme. We are evolving and basically 
to come a bit nearer to your question, we are we are operating schemes from very basic, you know, schemes kind of plastic card talking only to our BP customer base to kind of multi-scheme environment, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm, I don't know, in in my world and and people in BP would know it by heart. I'm splitting this in loyalty 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, 4. yeah, removing 1.0 being you know BP only, 2.0 being BP with kind of partnership around um, uh, around redemption, mm-hmm. 3.0 being around a multi-partner environment. And that's where very often we are finding the, um, I would say, the, uh, the, the, the coalition schemes. And 4.0 being yeah. very much the multi-scheme environment where you know, basically for the most mature market, we believe that one loyalty scheme is not enough. We need to go to a, a segmented loyalty approach targeting each of the segments very specifically. So that's the evolution, basically. And and my preferred scheme in there, honestly, is the scheme which is the most relevant for a given market, not over-investing, but being ahead of competition. That's my preferred scheme. Okay. Okay. I like it. Okay. And I even love the simplicity of, you know, uh, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, all the way up to your multi-scheme. And you did tell me, for example, I think it's in China, you have two loyalty programs yes we have two loyalty we have two 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 approaches in in, in china we have uh, in one of the in one of the provinces we have i would say a fairly traditional kind of of bp scheme with options for customers to redeem in a wide range of partnerships on one side and okay. we have been entering in another region we have been entering into a coalition scheme kind of uh, as a starting point and i guess and maybe coming back, you know, to some to your initial question is is why would I move from a BP scheme to a, a coalition scheme? I guess the move is is very much linked to um, I would say the, the maturity of the market in terms of data and mm-hmm. data usage. So it's mm-hmm. not so much the loyalty maturity, it's more the mm-hmm. data data analytics maturity and therefore the acquisition strategy, the customer acquisition strategy, which I can put behind is, do I still, do I need to go um, to some extent, is it good enough to be loud at BP and kind of try to attract customers to our own scheme, operate those, optimize this, get you know kind of high uh, customer kind of participation? Is it still good enough, mm. or do I need to go into kind of multiple partner and? coalition kind of getting uh, the acquisition strategy together and trying to optimize it. And I guess that's that's where the the balance is coming for me. Mm. And I wasn't even aware, in fact, that China was operating a loyalty coalition, Olivier. Can you tell me any more about that? um, that Honestly, it's a very very straightforward one. It's very much kind of of for customers to to collect to collect their points uh, as every uh, transaction at VP and then being able to exchange this with a wide range of partnerships, you know, being digital, on-site, et cetera, partnerships. So very basic. And okay. we launched this two years ago and we have been able within, you know, within basically six months to 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 hit the two million customer base quite wow. you know, quite quickly, basically, which nice. was quite a quite a, a big achievement for us. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
Yes, and I can only imagine I haven't tried to do any loyalty programs in China myself, Olivier, but um, there, there is, I think, so many factors to be considered, the, the multiple languages and, you know, really, I think, um, you know, you re- need on the ground expertise, in fact. So a coalition really sounds like it makes sense, particularly in a country that's as different to, to where you're, you're mainly operating across Europe. Yeah, that's 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 probably you know at the heart of 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 our loyalty strategy is is this relevance basically and specifically mm. when you are a global player you yeah. have two routes to go either you go into one route where you standardize everything and yeah. you know, this has a this has the beauty of simplicity and potentially cost optimization but this mm. comes at the cost of relevance in each of the markets we have made the choice long time ago you know mm. that we, the relevance would be the absolute kind of focus area and and relevance yeah. to the consumers relevance in terms of partnerships relevance in terms terms of also scope of, of issuance and redemption. Mm. And, and basically one of my, you know, one of the things I'm measuring whether we are successful over time is this kind of brand differentiation or loyalty differentiation in the market. And I've been, you know, this has been really underlying all of it and making sure that um, basically we get this accepting on the other side that there is cost, there is complexity, there is, you know, we need to to get capabilities in each of the countries, et cetera, et cetera. But Mm. all in all, honestly, I guess the the relevance and the customer acceptance, as I was saying in in my my three KPIs, is probably, you know, where where we have been kind of focusing. Yeah. I think relevance is absolutely perfect, Olivia. You know, we wouldn't be loyalty professionals if you weren't laser focused, as I can hear coming through. Um, and it really shows that you do have, you know, the the local customer in each of your countries um, very much top and center. So so that's really lovely to hear. Um, so I wanted to ask specifically about uh, BPME which um, listeners may or may not be familiar with. We have a lot of listeners um, for Let's Talk Loyalty in the US, as you know, also in the UK. And I only realized actually preparing for today's call that you now operate BPME in both of those markets as the loyalty brand. Um, I'm not sure if there's much difference between the, um, the the program in order to make them relevant. I'm guessing there, there probably is. So I'd love to just mainly talk about, let's say, the UK, if you don't mind talking mm-hmm. us through. What's the value proposition for your fuel customers in the UK market? In fact, it's not. We have two things here: is we have BP me mm-hmm. and BP me rewards, and basically, uh, BP me is for us the digital platform. Okay. Uh, you know, on which we are going to be building going forward. And it's a digital platform for loyalty, but it's also going to be a digital platform for all of the other business areas. Nice. And within this, we have, I would say, the, the, the loyalty kind of uh, the loyalty. And that's where BPME Rewards is, is, is playing a role. Okay. For now, what you see in UK is still, uh, I would say, it's, it's an MVP for me. It's a minimum viable product um, yeah. as a starting point. And this is really deemed to be evolving over the years to, I would say, put it clearly, tension here is to go to a multi-scheme environment in UK. And that's really kind of start, uh, starting to target all of my various uh, critical uh, kind of customer segments or customer groups to be really answering their, their needs. Nice, nice, absolutely. And, yeah. and this goes from 
you know, what you have today is very much kind of, of a, for our most loyal customers to be able to collect uh, points rewards and get rewarded for this. That's the mm. absolute minimum. Yeah. We have started evolving this to opening the, the, the door for also other loyalty schemes like the one we have with Mark and Spencer. And we are going to be opening it even further. And nice. at the end of the day, then the next phase is really going to be around, you know, more kind of beyond points. And where you know okay. points is the basis which you need to have. It's almost a hygiene factor, and okay. part of the thinking process is not kind of yeah. obviously, yeah. which I'm not going to talk about for, for competitive reason. But basically, yeah. the intention is really to be moving to to kind of of uh, you know kind of subscription kind of of loyalty uh, environment. Okay, well, that's definitely one of my favorite topics. So I'll pick up on that in a second, Olivier. Before that, actually, I thought I'd add in some trivia just from my own. Actually, I wrote an article about BPME um, about a year ago when you launched the UK program because it was high profile. Um, my understanding is BP is about a 15% market share in the UK. But also um, the point I made at the very outset um, was, um, I suppose, because consumers always have this real perception that fuel is very expensive. And I think what most of us don't realize, I myself really hadn't realized, in the UK, for example, 72% of the purchase price goes to the exchequer. So the taxes and the fees and all of that is really, um, you know, just taking up the vast majority of what consumers are seeing as the price point. Um, so, you know, for your business to, to still make money and reward your customers out of the remaining 28%, that was a really uh, big eye opener for me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, without getting into top secrets, I would say our, our you know, net margin after everything is, is uh, you know, much lower, much, much lower than 5%. That's okay. cool. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into detailed figures, but it's indeed we are, you yeah. know, we are basically the only way for us to be, um, to be kind of kind of getting into profitable zone is is by by having being a mass marketer to some extent and that's totally. the challenge we are having is yeah. is we are a mass marketer getting into a more personalized marketing environment I was going to say, because, um, you know, any big corporate that I've worked for over the years, Olivier, it's always this debate of, you know, what's mass market and what's, you know, personalized and localized and, and you know, how do you get that balance between the individual and, and the mass market when you're operating something um, something like fuel? So, um, so that's I, super... I, know I have a word for this, basically, and that's been my internal thing. I'm... I'm 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 getting into a mass personalized marketer. Okay, okay, that's, I like it. <laughs> and, and basically, that's the. Yeah. It's not only a word. To some extent, all of the uh, all of the platforms we are building um, are, are deemed to this, and it starts from you know our loyalty platform operations, which is with Commerce, basically. Mm -hmm. That's the standard we have across across the globe. Yes. Um, this helps us to be standardizing because as much as I, I'm I'm kind of looking into the relevance for the end consumers, as much as everything which is non-customer facing, we have been really standardizing it hardcore, and nice. it started with. Commerce, which is now our global platform, but yeah. it then moves into also automation of our marketing, direct marketing. Nice. And that's what we have been also doing with Accenture, amongst others, is Adobe afterwards in terms of, of, of marketing cloud. But yeah. that's really kind of 
allowing us to target or personalize um, personalize our marketing efforts CRM at as much as possible low cost, basically. That's really the intention. Yeah. 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 And I know you mentioned already earlier, in fact, uh, Olivier, about the difference between uh, BPMe as a digital platform and BPMe Rewards, which is obviously the pure loyalty piece. And I think what we're both seeing, actually, and I'm sure many listeners are seeing is, you know, the increasing convergence of, you know, the the functional piece around, you know, make it easy to pay. And I know BP's done extraordinary work um, in many markets, and we'll talk about the US as well. I know you can pay from the car on on your mobile. And actually, I was very impressed with your timing. I think you guys must have uh, some form of telepathy. I think you launched that uh, in January, just before the whole world uh, really, really needed it. So um, so well done on having uh, that uh, contactless uh, functionality. But yeah, I think the whole point around, um, you know, the merging of payments, the merging of marketing and the merging of loyalty all into ideally one simple platform at the front end for the consumer, as well as the back end, as you said, to keep the business side um, just managed. I guess so. Uh, it sounds like you're just doing a lot of work to, to streamline all of all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's you know that's part of our that's that's for me really the heart of this you know loyalty 4.0 kind of yeah. future facing but uh, yeah. beyond uh, points. Yeah, and, and and that's where we have been putting a structure behind it because it's not innovation for the sake of innovation. It's really innovation for the sake of solving a customer problem and yes. and and paying from paying from the car uh, yes. is is solving one problem which we have in quite a number of markets is yeah. um, it's the speed of transaction and basically because we are investing so much in 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 convenience retail and yeah. therefore having yeah. dual um, uh, business models, you know, on one side fuel and on the other one convenience. This means that very often our four courts are quite packed, yeah, yeah. and therefore the queue and yeah. waiting time for customers were getting, you know, difficult. Yeah. And hence, the problem we have been solving there was to say if we are getting out of the shop all of the customers who only want to pay. Yes. This is going to be creating a, a differentiated kind of approach, and and to some extent that's that's the underlying theme. And all of what we are doing is really trying to understand the, the customer issue, yeah. adding this to a kind of our customer platform mm. on top of what we are doing from a pure reward perspective to be creating this loyalty on a segmented basis, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think what somebody explained to me, Olivier, when I started writing about uh, loyalty and convenience retail, which for me was about three years ago. And again, you know, I've worked in loyalty with airlines and with uh, with phone companies, and they're all, you know, uh, I suppose sectors where we spend so much money um, that it really is worth investing the time to join a loyalty program, particularly as we know um, in the airline industry where the whole uh, loyalty sector started. But it really felt and, and this particular person explained to me that convenience retail is the last really major retail category uh, exactly for the point you were just making. So in convenience retail, it's all about removing friction. The last thing you mm -hmm. want to be doing is adding in, oh, here's a form to fill out and here's something else to do that will add time because customers have just, just they don't have the, the mindset in that uh, retail environment. So well done you on getting um, the platform mm -hmm. technology just to make it uh, super simple for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, can you tell us, Olivier, about your decision in the UK market, um, which I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with? Obviously, you left the uh, the Nectar Coalition. Um, I believe that was maybe about two years ago now. So I'd love to get a sense of some of the reasons um, around that and, and, and why you felt it was more appropriate for the UK consumer to have a direct BP owned and operated loyalty program. Yeah, we came to a point where... Um, in fact, we came to a point where the business model, which was behind Nectar, was starting to be, uh, I would say, a, a, an issue for our strategic evolution. And basically, we had at some point to make a decision about, are we looking into a short-term Know, performance, which is linked to, to a loyalty scheme, are we looking into that part or are we taking the risk now to exit Nectar and invest into our future, basically? Mm, mm. And, 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 and this, the heart of the reason is really about uh, you know, the, the business model, which is at the heart of what Nectar was doing, which was just not working for us anymore, basically. Mm, yeah. Hmm? I can imagine it must have been a huge decision, Olivier, and a lot of time, a lot of um, effort. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there was a few sleepless nights along the way as well, yes. but uh, seems to be working really well. So BPME looks fantastic. You also mentioned, as I said, something that I'm super fascinated by, and that's the whole concept of subscriptions. Are there yeah. particular areas uh, of subscription that, uh, that you find personally interesting and that you think um, you might explore in time? You know, we, yes, there are things, obviously, you know, there's a broad subject around, obviously, um, uh, pricing, fuel pricing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's one, one thing where, where basically we are looking into subscription. Uh, yeah. Basically, the intention here is very much to, to, to give to some of our privileged customer bases to give a, a kind of view or clear transparency on what is the kind of price they will pay mm. and, and help them in kind of managing their in, in a kind of energy bill uh, in a way. And, and, and that's part of the direction we are looking into US. We have started getting into this and, and which is we are also looking into, uh, into UK. Obviously, as you were saying before, you know, the tax yeah. environment yeah, and is is always going to be a boundary here in terms of how much we can afford doing it. But at least it's a contribution in in, in that sense. Yeah, giving you know obviously all of customers would love to have their fuel for free. You know, if if I, yes. if I would ask if I'm having a questionnaire <laughs> anyway, you know what the number one thing for customers yeah. would be: can you give me fuel for free? Yeah. Uh, but basically, you know, as you were saying, when you pay eighty percent tax out of everything, it's very difficult to be uh, to, to yeah. make it affordable. So it yeah. always will need to be a mixture of something around fuel pricing on one side and also additional, I would say, services and recognition of our most valuable customers in the system, basically. It's always going to be a mix. And, nice. and basically packaging this into a subscription is, is, is where, where our thinking is. 
Yeah, and it's a great strategy, I have to say, Olivier. I've seen pret a launched in the UK recently. I'm sure you've seen their coffee subscription program, um, which if anybody hasn't seen it, uh, £20 a month for, I think it's uh, up to five coffees a day. So um, you could certainly keep yourself well caffeinated. But I've seen it happening in car wash in Canada and in the US as well. So there, there really are lots of different categories that I think subscription is really becoming. Um, yeah, I think it's actually just very relevant, Olivier. I think I think that's to pick up on your word from earlier. There's something around, you know, when the world is in perhaps, you know, uh, more chaos than than perhaps in the past. Mm-hmm. I think there is something about giving people peace of mind uh, with the subscription or consistent pricing that uh, that you're tapping yeah, specifically into. Specifically when you are in a category, which is in a low involvement category. Totally. Because energy is not, you know, people are not waking up in the morning and saying, where, <laughs> oh, what is, what, where am exciting. I going to fill up today, Woo-hoo. you know, and looking yeah. forward to it. That's can't a wait. bit of, uh, yeah, can't wait. Yes, it yeah, is. yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> Is there any other market, I suppose, that you find particularly interesting, Olivier? Um, Some of the ones you've mentioned to me that you particularly obviously run programs, eight across Europe, South Africa, Poland, I think is your uh, very first market. Um, Any other that you think there might be learnings for, for listeners? Yeah, you know, if I'm looking into, if I'm looking into, you know, for big bets we have been doing, um, from a coalition perspective, uh, you know, we, we are, we have a privileged relationship with Payback. Okay. You know, in, initially, Payback was um, based only uh, in Germany, but yes. they have been extending and we are operating schemes now with them in Germany, Austria, Poland, um, Mexico. Nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we launched also last year in Mexico with them. Uh, so, so, basically, that's, that's the... Uh, to some extent, we were talking about Nectar, uh, you know, uh, early on UK. Uh, Payback has has had a different approach and basically to, to coalition and basically they have seen themselves less as a, I would say, as a loyalty operator and more as a customer engagement platform on behalf of their partners, mm-hmm. which means that they have been uh, kind of, I would say, adapting their business model to the various partners in the system. Hence, we yeah. globally have felt it kind of easier for us uh, mm-hmm. to to enter into this. And I would say the partnerships, which are, I would say, the other partners in the system have always been kind of, uh, I would say, being the right balance between the constraints you have in a, in a coalition, you know, exclusivity, mm. but in non-competition, et cetera, with also what you can do from a cross-marketing perspective. Yes, yes, so that's, yes. That's okay. one of the big bets we have been uh, making. The other one, which we have also been looking into, is more kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you, you, you may have heard that we have been launching um, in March of this year our loyalty platform in Australia with Contas. Okay, no, I did not hear that. Super uh, exciting. So, uh, so obviously this has not, you know, we, we haven't made, because of COVID, <laughs> we yeah. haven't been able to make all of, uh, no, all yeah. of the, I would say, ad, kind of advertising around it. But this is also sure. a very successful wow. you know, first one. Yeah. And again, there because usually airline schemes, uh, I would say partnership for us in in an oil environment, I would say the absolute critical partners in the coalition schemes are really around, I would say, convenience, um, food, 
and associating it with, um, I would say, with fuel, well, mm. high frequency, high, um, uh, I would say, uh, basket size. Mm. Uh, and, and airlines are usually not uh, no, kind of, um, how should I say this, Nashi, uh, <laughs> are, 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 are not always kind of bringing us what we need from a, from a customer pool. Okay. Yeah, and, and we are. And wow. we, yeah. there is a benefit to have an airline into a loyalty scheme, but there is a limited benefit for an oil company to have an airline in a scheme. If, if you see what I, I, what I, I want, yeah. And, and basically, that's the first one we have been really kind of starting again in Australia and quite successfully. One of the reasons is because again, Qantas is not only an airline scheme, Qantas mm. is much more than this. They are yeah. bringing in the wealth of their partnerships, convenience, et cetera, et cetera, which is again working for us in that environment. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. I was just thinking I hadn't heard you doing anything in the airline space. I do think it's much more advanced in Australia. In fact, um, absolutely. The Qantas program. So I'm delighted to hear you're launching that. So is it is it already up and running, uh, Olivier? Well, or? Since March. Since March since of March. this year. Okay. So just since March uh, of this year. Yes. needs more communication as um, as the situation. Honestly, despite being not being able to advertise it at all in the yeah. system. So it has been really internal yeah. to Qantas and BP customer base. We are really filled with, uh, with yeah. one, the results and also the quality of, I would say, the partnership which we are, which we are seeing there. Wonderful, wonderful. And again, I always, uh, you know, really envy, you know, people in your position, Olivier, where you have that global perspective. So, you know, you can negotiate globally then really to get the best deal out of coalitions and know what works in one market yeah. and make sure you translate that then into mm -hmm. uh, to building your business in others. Um, and just actually to, to finish on the the German side, you mentioned payback. And I think for all customers um, of, of BP, I think that's extraordinary. My understanding is that payback in Germany has a household penetration, which, if I'm not mistaken, is in the high 90%. Would I be right yeah. with that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes, it's, absolutely. it's an extraordinary program. So again, I think anyone listening, you know, looking for inspiration on the coalition side would certainly do well to look at the payback program. Um, the other um, areas I wanted to touch on with you, Olivier, is around uh, the future. Um, what you're thinking and what you're seeing. We've already talked about subscription as, as a possibility. Um, but really, I love anything that is innovative, um, you know, new ideas that you might be exploring, um, either using new technology or new business models or any new loyalty insights. And sometimes I think that might come about um, partly because of the pandemic. I actually think there's um, there's definitely a rethink that consumers um, are, are facing. Um, I think all of us have had to rethink a lot of things uh, in the pandemic. But what do you see in the future, really, for um, for loyalty in general or particularly in the in the industry you're in? And again, I'm going to come back to my very initial you know, statement around relevance, yeah. because indeed what you are talking about is this beyond points. You know, what is, um, how yeah. are we going to be creating you know, loyalty behavior of customers yeah. Uh, in a digital, you know, uh, kind of uh, multi-channel environment. Um, points is one thing, and as I said before, needs to be there. So that's almost a, a hygiene factor. Yeah. What is coming on top? And, and that's where I, I'm not having a, a one uh, single answer. What, mm. I, I, I'm, what I'm looking into, what I can say is that I'm looking into 
I would say three different buckets. One is subscription and everything which is around this model, adding services to customers on a segmented basis, which can add value for and and answer a problem, specific problem of that segment. Mm -hmm. The second one, which I'm looking into is is more about, um, I I would say, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's more this relationship, it's more um, um, experience, is how can I, uh, as a customer, get a better experience? How can I fasten my experience, which is a bit, you know, which you can see in quite a lot of, of food or coffee kind of yeah. loyalty schemes? Okay. Is how can I use this scheme to give these customers uh uh, uh, an improved, quicker, uh, you know, or more rewarding experience. So that's mm. also one of the things we are looking into. And, and the last one is more of an emotional kind of aspect, and which you may have seen. We have been we yeah. have been doing quite a lot, obviously during uh, during COVID, where we have been also kind of supporting quite heavily, you know, the hospital communities, etc., and where we have been asking our own customer base to say, if you want, as part of this, you can also support all of these communities. So I, I would say you, we are having these three different additional angles. Nice. And, and therefore, kind of almost on a country-by-country basis, defining what is the most attractive or what is the most relevant one mm. and, and, and kind of, of, of uh, you know, supporting. For example, if I know, yeah, in Poland, we have been, we have been, and we have been having for quite a long time now, this charity about supporting orphan kids. And that's one of the most kind of attractive um, partnerships, which we have in our, in, into our loyalty schemes now for quite some time. So this is really kind of helping us to help people. Obviously, one of the other big themes, which you know, which we see coming more and more, and, and, and understandably, is also um, offsetting uh, your your carbon footprint. Of course, and that's also something which we are building into more and more. Nice. And the thing is, the background is technical, but you know, the quicker yeah. we can, we are building this into our our, our loyalty platform to be helping customers to help yeah. the, the, the planet. So this yeah. is the kind of of stuff. It may not sound. Know, as innovative, as fancy, but this is really kind of adding um, offers in the system which can serve a purpose mm. and then kind of using technology behind it. So it's really innovation for a purpose rather mm. than innovation for the sake of innovation. Perfect. Yeah. And I think you're right, Olivier, because, um, yeah, it's it's easy to get excited about new types of um, of technology. Um, but the ones that you've mentioned, I mean, emotional loyalty, we've talked about extensively on the show. And again, I think many corporates have, um, as a company, you know, been donating, you know, very well intentioned. But the idea of um, allowing your, your members of your loyalty program also to donate to charity definitely does drive emotional loyalty. So it's really nice to hear what you're doing there in Poland um, the theme of you know you know building um, experiences for for members definitely again it's a very well discussed topic so I think it's actually reassuring to hear that we're all talking about the same things in many ways and we've already talked a lot about subscription so um so really good to hear that um, those are, are, are the kind of main focus for you um, and, and again you know I was picking on on Poland on this example but yeah. as I said this is I'm having 
offers like this across the board. It's not the same one in each of the regions. No, no, no. We are supporting, for example, in terms of charity, the Red Cross in, in, uh, in Iberia. So, yeah. But that's the underlying theme is, is really getting to this and getting to this in a relevant way, adapted mm. locally and which is having the biggest impact locally, basically. Yeah. That's really the, the underlying thing. Yeah, it's your mass personalization that you mentioned, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, just the last, uh, coming towards the end now, Olivier. Um, here, as you know, I live in Dubai and I just have a, an industry question, which is actually less about loyalty, uh, but it's just something I've, I've seen happening here, which may be unique to this part of the world, but I think it might be interesting for listeners. But it's that um, refueling your car now is being done by delivery rather than mm-hmm. by, um, you know, literally driving to a fuel station. Is that mm-hmm. something that BP is doing at all around the world or is it just something that's unique no. to, uh, to Dubai? No, we have been doing it. Some of our competitors have been doing it. Um, Interesting. Uh, the, the issue of this is always coming back to the very initial statement around the level of tax and you know, the, the, the level of, of available margin in every liter you are selling. Mm. This is really making that business model um, very difficult to sustain. So mm. either you do it on a very limited customer base, you know, for your high, high range as part of a subscription, and this is the ultimate level of service, nice. but having it as a mass offer across the board is always going to be mm. very difficult. Expensive. That's one aspect. Yeah. The second aspect, if you are looking also on the evolution of our model, on our business model, you know, we are going to be driving significantly versus new energies. Of course. And the new energy is being EV. By definition, EV, you can charge at home. Yes. And or also hydrogen or other stuff, which will require different approaches. So it's a, I would say it's a good idea. Mm. If we would want to make it global, honestly, it's probably too late already because yeah. it's, it's always going to be, it can be relevant for a subset of our customers, but make, making it a mass offer across the board, probably not on our side. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, again, not being directly working within the industry in terms of understanding the cost base, it almost sounds like a more affordable than building a fuel station, because I can't only imagine what it costs to build a a fuel station, you know, rather than deliver the fuel. But again, as you said, uh, you know, there's a window of time where, um, in fact, I saw a headline, which probably shocking for your industry, but where where they said, in fact, uh, peak oil purchasing, um, the high point may have already passed in 2019. So, yeah. as you said, you're having to reinvent yourself in terms of electric vehicles. Yeah, which is exactly what BP is kind of doing. We have been embarking on a reinventing program, wow. which is not only kind of, which is between now and 2050, where we have been making very, very firm commitment on, you know, on kind of, of carbon impact uh, uh, on it, and which will transform the mm. BP's um, I know, business model. That's very clear. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So listen, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Olivier, you um, you mentioned to me last time we spoke offline uh, or off air that in fact you're leaving BP after 26 years now uh, at the end of this year. So mm-hmm. as you're, I suppose, starting to um, reflect maybe back on, on your learnings over that time, particularly, as you've said, um, leading global loyalty strategy um, for, for an extraordinary period of time what kind of lessons do you think are the ones that um, that really made the biggest impact on you and you think would be useful for listeners to be most aware of to be reflecting on for themselves Mm. <laughs> it's a big one, I'm afraid. <laughs> I should have given you that in advance shouldn't I yeah, that's, a, that's a big one um, 
Honestly, I guess we, you know, probably the big, the one big lesson I've learned is that uh, specifically when you are working for a global company, having a one size fits all solution is not going to work. Okay. And every single time I've seen this, you know, kind of tried to, and not only in BP, but in, in, in you know, in the whole industry, when I've seen such approaches, it, it, it always failed. So that would be the one kind of lesson I would keep out of it, is make sure that coming back to the customer relevance, listening to your customers, personalizing it, you know, either you personalize at the segment or at the, at the individual size, but make it relevant for each of the customers. And don't try, you know, try to solve their problem rather than try your own solution, find your own solution. Lovely. That would Lovely. be, I would say, the, the one thing I've got out of all of these years. Wonderful. So very simple, in fact. No, no, not rocket science. Very simple. It's not rocket science at all, Olivier. But, um, you know, I think as consumers, we feel it when a company has that intention, when they're doing their utmost to treat us as individuals. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. So we don't want to be thought of in, you know, big data terms. We want to be thought of as Paula and Olivier. So, um, so on that note, I want to say thank you so much, Olivier Martinet from BP. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you very much. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.